All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nashville Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Barish, and today I have with me Nick Carrier. And what's cool about Nick is he actually trains out of the same gym I do with some of his clients, and so I've been fortunate enough to see what he does, but I'm going to have him explain a little bit more about it to you. So welcome to the show, Nick. Yeah, what's up, Jake? Appreciate it, man. Yeah, excited to be on. Basically, what I do is I run a program that's called the 10-Week Transformation, and I kind of say that my mission is to help people make living a healthy lifestyle simple. And so basically my approach is kind of to start off big picture. I believe that most people know what to do when it comes to their health and fitness, but they struggle to do what they know. And so I'm all about the execution part of it. How can we make sure that people are executing on a regular basis with their workouts, with their nutrition, with their sleep, with their stress management, all that kind of things. And so the way that I go about it is through a kind of a goal setting process. And so before everybody participates in a 10 week transformation with me, they watch a series of of videos that I've created that kind of teaches my goal setting framework to them. And then prior to day one, they come in already having a whole scoreboard set up with what their goal is, what their weekly goals are and their scoreboard all set up so that everybody knows that, okay, I am trying to get to this particular point by the end of the 10 weeks. And here's my strategy in doing it. Now it's just about execution. And so that's kind of the the framework with which I go about taking my clients from where they currently are to where they want to be is kind of a goal setting approach. And then we obviously have great workouts and we talk nutrition and, and mindset as we go through, go all about it. And so a lot of people will do multiple 10 week transformations in a row. I've had somebody who's do, who's done 11 10 week transformations with me. Sometimes people will do it. They'll take a little break. They'll do it again, but I've been doing it for the last four years and it's been going really well. That's awesome. So you're basically being the facilitator of change and you're directing it at the change that they want. And I think that's awesome because a lot of fitness modalities, it's like the, the goal is almost predetermined when you walk into a space. And instead of directing at the individual's goals, the goals then change to be like, oh, well, you got to fit our model. Um, so what kind of goal setting do you do? I know there's, you know, there's a whole model of like short term, long term. What is your view or kind of like your framework for goal setting? Yeah. So I always because I'm operating within the 10 week transformation, like everybody who participates in that pro- in the program has a specific what I call a success indicator that they want to be at by the end of the 10 weeks. It's called a success indicator because if you get there, that indicates to you that you've been successful across the 10 weeks. And so, you know, I would say about 50 to 75% of the people at any given point in time are setting a weight loss goal. Other people are setting, setting performance goals from the, from the standpoint of specific metrics with lifting a certain amount of weight or being able to run at a certain speed at a certain distance or anything like that. But I think that what I try to get across so much more so than anything to my participants and my clients is yes we're setting a goal that we want to achieve by the end of the 10 weeks because it's important to know where you're trying to go because that informs your strategy that you're going to take in that approach because so many people say i want to get healthier and it's like what should what kind of workouts should i do well i'm like you got to give me more than that. Like, do you want to be able to run better? Do you want to be able to lift heavier? Like, do you want to just be in better condition? Do you want to lose weight? Like, because there's you, all of those different things are going to need a slightly different strategy. And so we start off by setting a goal and then we create a process to get there. But I'm always like, I take more of an identity based approach to goal setting than I do a outcome based approach. We have to set the outcome, but it's less about what you achieve and more about who you become in the process. And so, What I try to tell people is that 
Yes, I'm gonna work my ass off to get you to this particular metric, but more than anything, I want you to, find, to define success in this program as you becoming the type of person who follows through with the promises that you make to yourself. Because I think that if you can become that person, then every other area of your life, obviously including health and fitness, just becomes easier. When you can be the type of person of integrity, the type of person who says you're gonna do something and then you do it, a person of alignment, then you are going to be able to improve all areas of your life with much more effectiveness and efficiency than if you have no trust in yourself and have no confidence in yourself and are not a person of your word. So yes, we set an outcome-based goal, but then I try to take an identity-focused approach of like, let's become the type of person who falls through with the promises that we make to ourselves. Yeah, what I've been hearing recently from a lot of like high-level performers and people who have been like talking about that kind of stuff is like, how you do anything is how you do everything. So it sounds like you're you're trying more so to transform like the per becoming the person that you want to be because those outcomes are on the other side of that. And that's really cool. Um, are there certain goals that you try to get people to stay away from? Because I think sometimes, not necessarily about like realism, right? But people set metrics that just don't actually show improvement, right? Like sometimes people set body weight goals, but what they don't realize is like, you might go up in body weight because you gain muscle mass, which is actually performing or helping your goal towards health, right? And so are there certain things that you do and don't like to see when people set goals? Yeah, I think it's about having a conversation with each person and where they're coming from behind why they set the goal that they set, right? So I think that if somebody is setting a weight-based goal, based off of seeing them, then I'll be able to tell like, okay, weight loss is probably what our goal should be. But mm -hmm. then making sure that we clarify some expectation setting is really important on the front end. Like making sure they're not saying that I'm necessarily trying to lose 30, 25, maybe 20 pounds in mm -hmm. 10 weeks is very, it's gonna depend on the individual. But expectation setting is absolutely critical because I think that so many people set lofty goals because so many people say set your goals high set your dreams high and everything like that and it's well intentioned but when it comes to actually living that out oftentimes if you fall behind where you feel like you should be then you're going to give up on yourself and you're going to yeah. stop and so i always tell people like with a weight loss goal if somebody let's say somebody just for eat, uh, simplicity of numbers if they said i'm going to lose 20 pounds in 10 weeks then from a numerical standpoint that means in five weeks i need to have lost 10 yeah that means in you know two and a half weeks i need to have lost five and so if they're weighing themselves on a weekly basis if basis and they're not hitting those metrics and they're be like oh can't do it i'm i gotta i'm gonna fall off right and so we got to make sure from a execution standpoint that you don't set the bar too high so you're setting yourself up for failure but when it comes to like a goal that should or should not be set it's very much I, I try to make sure that people set a goal that is actually motivating to them yeah. because so many people just jump to a weight loss goal because it's the easiest one to come to mm -hmm. and what a lot of people think is the premier definition of success when it comes to your health. And right. it is obviously not because, and a lot of people aren't going to be motivated at all by weight loss goals. They might be like a little bit motivated in the beginning, like, oh man, it'd be cool to see that number because I saw that number back in high school or back in college. But it's like, they're not going to be motivated by that. Like I need to make sure that whatever you're setting as your goal is going to actually light a fire under you. And it's going to actually keep you going. And you have a strong enough why, because I think that your why isn't just what gets you started, but it's also what keeps you going when what you started gets tough. So you need to be yeah. able to tap back into that when you're in week four, five, six, seven, when you're not fresh on motivation like you are in week one and week two. Yeah, and it's cool too because like I think sometimes when it's weight loss goals, I hear people, oh, I wanna lose five pounds. I'm like, well, why do you wanna lose five pounds? Well, I wanna look a certain way. It's like, maybe you wanna gain five pounds of muscle. And a lot of people are, are 
uncertain about that because we're fed all this information that weight loss or being small or being light is important. But like a lot of the research is showing like muscle gain is actually better. So I think that sometimes that number weight goal, like you're saying, isn't actually like effective, right? So then you have performance level goals. Um, and those typically, because it's exciting to get your first pull up or get your first push up or whatever it is. Um, and, and you know, what kind of success rate are you seeing with some of your clients on things like that? Like, what is it that you're doing to make sure they achieve those performance level goals? Yeah. So in, week one of the 10-week transformation, we do something called performance tests. We'll do them again in week 10. And they're a series of tests where we get a found uh, a sense of where you currently stand mm -hmm. with your level of strength, athleticism, and or endurance. And so to give you just a couple examples, like foundational strength moves for upper body, we got bench press, we've got bent over rows, we've got pull-ups for kind of like lower body slash full body, we've got deadlifts and we've got back squats. Mm -hmm. And then there's always some sort of kind of cardiovascular test and there's always some sort of core test as right. well. And so everybody does those in week one to get an idea of where they currently stand. And then to give you just like a very specific example and answer to your question, it's like for all of those lifts on... Tuesdays and Thursdays, we've got a lower body day and an upper body day. Mm -hmm. And so on Tuesdays and Thursdays, they are going to train that particular lift. Right. And I always guide them with relationship to, okay, your one rep max is about this given what you did in week one. Because mm -hmm. some people don't necessarily go to a one rep max in week one if their form is off or, you know, so we get an approximate number for what their mm -hmm. one rep max is. And then when we start in week two doing those lifts, we go to about 70% of that one rep max and do anywhere between six and 12 reps of it. And then each week after they're writing down their weights and their reps and such, they are continually progressing, whether that is from one week to the next, maybe adding five pounds, maybe trying to get an extra rep or what have you, they're intentionally progressing. And so that kind of like clear starting point and then clear acknowledgement or, or writing down or tracking of what you're doing. Right leads to basically inevitable progress if you're staying consistent and you actually come exactly. to the workouts week after week after week. And so there is clear, so I make sure that whatever the performance tests are, there are things programmed in the workouts that are going to lead directly to improvement on those performance tests. Yeah, and, and that's super important because I think a lot of people, if they don't have a coach or program or both realistically, they don't know how to track or measure the baseline, track the progress, and then see if the results worked, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have all three of those things plus the coach, you end up wondering, am I getting better? You know, if you go into a regular gym every day and do some bicep curls and some leg press and all that, great, you're getting fit. Are you getting fitter? Maybe not. And so all these things, I think, keep people engaged with fitness. And I think that's one of the hardest things in the fitness industry is staying engaged. Because if you don't have a goal and you aren't making progress and you don't feel good about what you're doing, you're just going to quit, kind of like what you were saying earlier. So are there any other processes you do to keep people engaged? Or what does that look like across the 10 weeks? Because 10 weeks is a long time to commit to something. So what is the engagement process you do with your clients? Yeah, so I would say a couple of different things that I do. So everybody has a scoreboard that they are keeping track of. So that scoreboard has their overall goal that they're trying to achieve by the 10 weeks. And then everybody has two or three weekly goals that mm -hmm. they're trying to hit. And I'm just going to give an easy example. Someone's goal is to lose 10 pounds by the end of the 10 weeks. Then their weekly goals, again, are going to be very, very much based off of where they're coming from and what they're willing and able to do. Because mm -hmm. I don't tell them per se, what their goals are. I help influence their strategy a little sure. bit based off of my expertise, but this, someone might say, I'm going to work out four times a week for an hour. I'm going to do three strength training workouts, and I'm going to go on a run for my fourth workout. And then my nutrition goal might be something as simple as I'm going to bring my lunch to work four days a week, and I'm also going to cook dinner at home four days a yeah. week. And then after that, let's say a hydration goal, I'm going to drink 80 ounces of water six days a week. So 
those three goals are something that they're going to track on a daily basis. Am I actually hitting these marks? And then with a scoreboard, that's keeping them a little bit more engaged with the process. And then the other thing that I do is everybody has an accountability partner who they are kind of like responsible for to certain degrees based off of whether or not that person is actually submitting an updated scoreboard to me every mm -hmm. week. So they need to submit an updated scoreboard. And then there's also accountability sessions that we do in person. Cool. And so to get to the next level, if it's I'm setting an overall goal, then I'm setting weekly goals. And mm -hmm. then there's kind of like daily goals that people set right. because the weekly goals conceptually are not that more are not all that difficult to come to. It takes a little bit extra work to get to specific numbers. Mm -hmm. So if I, you know, I know I need to work out more. I know I need to eat healthier. I need to, I know I need to drink more water. It's pretty easy to get to those. It's a, a little bit more nuanced to get to maybe the numbers and what exactly those looks like. But it's not just about knowing those things that I need to do those things. It's like, okay, what am I going to actually do to make sure that I show up for these four workouts? Right. So what am I going to do to make sure I actually cook these meals? And so the next layer down is people create and what what I call are PILS. So P-I-L-S is an acronym mm -hmm. that stands for the purpose is to increase the likelihood of your success. I love that. And so instead of just stopping at, I'm going to bring four healthy lunches to work, I'm going to cook four dinners at home. It's like, okay, what are you going to do to make sure you do that? Mm -hmm. And that's like, okay, I'm going to create a grocery list and I'm going to go to the grocery store on Sunday at 2 p.m. And then a lot of people might be like, okay, that means on Sunday night, I'm going to cook my first two lunches for the week. And then on Tuesday night, I'm going to connect, I'm going to make my next two lunches for the right. week. And so it's like actually putting down that plan on a piece of paper around how you're going to execute on their goals. So that keeps people a lot more engaged on a daily basis because you're constantly having to be like, okay, given the context of my day, how am I going to make sure I still hit this weekly mark? Yeah. And I think I, I've seen it a lot with people I coach where it's like the one thing goes wrong. And if they don't have all the steps in a row, it's like throw away the whole week, right? Yeah. I ate one cookie when I wasn't supposed to eat a cookie. I might as well eat the whole pack. It's like, no, you can get back on track. And like, you don't have to punish yourself for messing up, but you just get back on the next step. So that actually sounds really good because like, like you're saying, okay, I mess up on Sunday night. I don't make my first two lunches, right? Tuesday, I can fix it, right? And it's not next Sunday. I have to do it again. That's a long time. And I think with what you're talking about, a lot of times we are really bad at understanding like how long a week is or how long six months is, right? And so setting goals is really weird. So having someone like you to guide that is really helpful because I think all of us, when we're looking at ourselves, are terrible at tracking our progress and performance. So how are you helping individuals like feel good mid-process about like, I know you're doing the check-ins, but where, what are you pointing out or touching on in those check-ins to make them feel like, hey, you're on track? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of, like I said, tracking weights and stuff like that. And then I think oftentimes people just need to be given the space to realize like, hey, you wouldn't have been able to do that. And mm -hmm. so I'm usually very in tuned with where people are at with their progress and try to actually acknowledge them yeah. for it. And then the other thing is, and which is somewhat popular, but it's acknowledge the wins that are outside of like the framework of the goal we, that we've set for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if your goal is weight loss and you've lost some weight, great. If you've gotten stronger, great. But there's also like plenty of either off the scale wins or other mm -hmm. wins that you can, that you are seeing. Like I just had somebody text me the other day, like saying that she's so much more in tuned with just stopping eating when she actually is full yeah. rather than just like continuing to go. And she was like, that is a huge win. And then there's other people who, you know, of course this is the classic one, but somebody the other day was like, I actually just went a, a 
belt loop down. And so I think people making sure you give them the space to acknowledge those other wins is really critical. And then I wanted to go back to something that I was thinking about yeah. that you mentioned earlier. You were talking about how, you know, if we are not tracking progress, mm -hmm. then it's really hard to obviously see the progress and stay motivated to keep going yeah. or else we're going to quit. I think that it's important for, it can be really motivating and it can really light a fire under your ass to track progress and to see yourself making progress. But the reality of the situation is over the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years of your fitness journey, you're not going to be tracking progress throughout that no, entire time. No, you're not. So that's why I think it's the identity-based approach is really what it has to come back to because once you just become the type of person who works out for the sake of working out, for the sake of feeling good, for the sake of being a healthy person, then whether or not you're making progress on your weights or whether or not you're improving your cardiovascular endurance, that's a whole lot less important mm -hmm. than just like showing up and being consistent and just doing the thing. Because I know for me, yes, there are certain times during the calendar year or certain times during my life where I'm like, yeah, I want to be super specific on increasing my back squat, increasing my bench press or running a faster 5K. But there are plenty of times when I'm not concerned and I am just going to the gym and lifting weights and maybe doing this, maybe being okay with just doing the same weights that I've done right. in the past or running at the same speed that I've done in the past. But because it's not about necessarily just reaching an outcome, mm -hmm. it's just about be still being that person and reinforcing to myself that I am that person who works out for the sake of being fit and for the sake of being healthy. Yeah, and, and I think that's important too. And that's why something like a 10-week challenge or, or in a lot of different weightlifting spheres, there's there's cycles, right? There's deloads, there's reloads, all that stuff, right? Because you can't constantly be tracking metrics because either one, you're going to go crazy and you're going to become obsessed and it's going to become unhealthy, right? We, uh, we see that all over the fitness industry where like there's an unhealthy relationship where it goes too far, right? And people are like, yeah, I'm super fit. All my metrics are perfect. And I'm like, how's your mental health, right? But then there's the other side of things where it's like, if you aren't constantly revamping and holding on to your fitness, there's no standing still, right? You have to work to even hold what you have. So you have to understand that like you're saying, hey, I can be cool with squatting the same number because that means it's not going down, right? Or I'm cool with running the same, or just even lifestyle factors, hey, I'm older, I can play with my grandkids, right? And if you stop being able to play with your grandkids, oh shoot, I better go get back in the gym and set some goals and fix it. And so that's a really healthy mindset because I think a lot of people don't have, they, they aren't set up with the framework to have a healthy relationship. And it sounds like that's what you're trying to do with your clients is let them know, hey, it's okay to push it for 10 weeks, but then sometimes back off, go do something you love. And I, and you know, in my space in CrossFit, I, we've been, I've had having those conversations with people where it's like, it's not always performance. It's not always competition. Sometimes go have life. Right. And so is, is that something you focus on as people age through this process of like, go live your life too. We're not just here to be in the gym. Yeah. I think that, I think that I try to communicate to people that, especially people that do 10 week transformation after 10 week transformation after 10 week transformation. I'm like, look. The reason why you're doing this the eighth time is not the same reason why you're doing this the first time. Absolutely. Like the first time you maybe had a weight loss goal or you were just coming from a place of a whole lot less experience. And so you were trying to really get after it right. for those 10 weeks. Now that you're in week eight, it's just like about managing. It's mm -hmm. just about maintaining where you're currently at or you know, depending on the person. But it might just be about maintaining where you're currently at. And that's kind of my approach to goal setting in life. Just very briefly, I try to think that we need to be managing all areas of our life at any given point in time, 
but we can be spiking in one of them. Mm -hmm. And when I say spiking, I mean that there's one area of our life that we can spend more time, energy, and attention on that we can actually have a big goal for. But you can't really have huge goals in multiple areas of life at one yeah. time and expect to make progress on both on all of them efficiently and effectively. So I'm like, look, tell me, just be honest. Like during this 10 weeks, is this like a managing 10 week transformation for you, mm -hmm. or is this a spiking 10 week transformation right. for you? Is this one where you're like, we're going after it, or is this one where like our weekly goals are going to be a little bit less. Instead of trying to work out five or six times a week, I'm going to work out three times a week with you. I'm going to go on some walks. I'm going to go on some bike rides. I'm going to go on some hikes or whatever it is. And so I think making sure that people are fully understanding their intentions for themselves across any 10-week transformation and me as their coach, making sure that I'm not placing some sort of expectation upon them that they don't even care about themselves. Yeah, and you know, I think people get so wrapped up in like health and life. And if I'm not in the gym, I'm not being healthy. And it's a weird thing as a trainer to almost say like, don't, don't come in here. Right. Cause like that affects your bottom line. And not that that's like the most important thing, but it's weird to tell people, no, I don't, I don't want to coach you right now. You're, you're so wound up in this. Go hike, go be in nature, go be with your family, your friends, go be with your relationships. Right. Because that's going to keep that mental health coming around. And then yeah, come back to me. Right. It's not like we're done with this, you know, training situation forever, but I've, I've had people where I'm like, Hey, you're not in a good mental space because you're so fixated on fitness and progress. And it's like, you know, I, I think a lot of us and, and, you know, the listeners who haven't done this, if you look up like a life balance web, right. And you, you build it out and you realize like, I can't give a hundred to everything because you only have so many hours in a day and so much energy. And so, like you said, you got to pick where your spikes are and you almost have to like rotate them around. And so, you know, if you're just day in, day out, looking at these performance numbers and getting fixated on them, everything else is going to fall apart. Yeah, you might be really fit, but that's not all of life. Yeah, I, I, I think about my life and communicate to other people that I think life has six areas. I think there's our health, our personal lives, our career, our finances, our spiritual life, and our relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think in my company is called Best You, and it's all about getting closer to the best version of yourself. And I think in order to do that, you need to be managing all of those at any given point in time, yep. but at any time you have the ability to spike in one. And like you said, I every single quarter of the year, I decide which area of my life I'm deciding to spike in. Right. And oftentimes, that's going to be based off of a frustration that I have in that area of life or feeling like, man, I'm, a, I'm just feeling a little behind here. I haven't spent as much time in my finances or in my relationships or in, on my spiritual life. Like I need to find a way to commit more time, energy, and right. attention to that. And so I tried to communicate the bigger picture mm -hmm. to people as well and have people have a little bit more perspective right. on the other areas of life and that, that those matter as well yeah. and not getting overly fixated. Yeah, and it's funny because people come to us as like, hey, you're, you're a coach, you're a fitness trainer. I want to be fit. And then we end up talking to them about their lives more than anything else because, you know, when you've been, when you have experience, right, in the fitness world, that's, it's actually gets to be a point, not that it's like, it's simple, but it's, it becomes something that you're good at, right? And so then we're like, all right, we can get you fit. But how do I get the rest of your life going too? And it's, and it's weird, because this word kind of has like a negative connotation, but you become a life coach, right? You end up telling people like, hey, look, I can see because I've gotten a personal relationship with so and so or whoever, I can see you're neglecting these things, I can see you're avoiding these challenges in your life, like, go after them, right? If I see you two days a week, instead of four, it's going to be better for everyone because I'm going to see a better you when you walk in. I'm going to get more out of you 
and then everything's going to be better in your life, and then we can have fun in here, yeah. right? And so that's actually a question. How much are you looking like metrics and performance isn't always fun, but you seem to have a fun time with your clients, right? How important is it to you to make it like really enjoyable to be there? Yeah, I think that, I mean, it's that's huge. It's definitely huge. And it's finding the balance mm-hmm. because there are times when I think I know that a lot of people are coming in originally oftentimes people start because they want to see results because they want progress and then when people get going they care almost less and less about the progress in a good way Mm -hmm. and more and more about just like actually enjoying the process and so sometimes i can get caught up in if somebody isn't seeing progress or seeing like a certain result they're going to think less of me as a coach. They're going to think less of me as a trainer. And so I need to make sure they're not slacking off. I need to make sure they're doing the right weights and really pushing themselves. And so sometimes I can get overly fixated that and lose perspective on the fact that, wait, they're also just enjoying themselves and, and, and having fun. And so I think I try to find that balance. I think you can, I think you can do it. In, I think mm-hmm. you can do both simultaneously. Right. And so I make sure that I try to foster the relationships that people have with each other in the mm-hmm. program. I think... That for me is almost the most fun thing that I see come out of it is the relationships that people form. Obviously, I'm forming a relationship with them and I love that, but I love it when two people meet in a room that have never met before and then by the end of the 10 weeks, they are good friends and enjoy spending time with each yeah. other. And so one of the ways that I do that is just, you know, the the program that I have here in this gym is sometimes a little bit smaller given the time. So we might have six to 12 people in the group, but I make sure that everybody is kind of like working with another or everybody has the chance to work with every other person throughout the right. 10 weeks it's easy during this group but i have another group that has 20 people in it and so mm-hmm. that makes it a little bit more difficult but I, I try to intentionally like sit down like okay i'm gonna pair these two together on this day i'm gonna pair this group together on this yeah. day and try to like foster the relationship so everybody can get to know everybody and therefore they usually just enjoy the process a little bit more yeah and in group type settings i mean i, I always like refer to that as like community building right and it gets to be a weird thing because i, I try to get it where it almost does it itself to where like yeah i start where like we have a new person i introduce them i try to get Get them like familiar with someone who like they click with right but it's this weird situation where it's like you're involved but you almost want to step back and be like look at that like you're almost and i don't want to say like this in a negative way but you're almost missing out on that community building because when it grows organically like that people really enjoy that and then also it keeps them coming back because they want to see their friends right and i think it's cool because i think some programs like they're so high-paced you don't get to get the social aspect of it, right? You never get that interaction. And so having a situation where both we're getting fitness, but also getting that needed interaction is so helpful to an athlete's success in the long run. And do you find, I mean, I know you said you had accountability buddies. Do you find that those people who are closer with their accountability buddies have more success? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And it is, so I try to pair people together who I feel like are going to mesh together. And most of the times it works out well. It never works out badly, but you know, yeah. some people just click better than others. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it works really well. And then some other things that I think I try to do to, like I said, like you just said, foster that relationship. And rather than just be like, go, 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 go. Okay. See you next time. Mm-hmm. But like before every Thursday, you've maybe seen us before we start off with thankful Thursday, where mm-hmm. everybody goes around and says something yeah. they're thankful for that day. And then in week one and week 10, we always start off with a vision casting day where everybody, we just kind of sit around for 30 minutes and everybody talks about why they're doing the 10 week transformation, this go around, what they're, what they foresee, maybe their biggest obstacles are going to be during mm-hmm. the next 10 weeks. And at the end we have a reflection day where same thing, we sit down at the end of week 10, 
for 30 minutes to talk about like, hey, how did this go? Who, sh- who do you want to shout out for making some awesome progress? Who do you want to acknowledge? And then how can you acknowledge yourself? What are some things that you're still kind of struggling with that you're looking to work on? And so I try to put in some key ingredients and some key things that I do repeatedly mm-hmm. that help people enjoy the process more by getting to know each other a little bit better. Yeah, and I, I think community is like the key of all of it because a lot of times like if you go and work out and I, I call it a regular gym, some people just call it the gym, right? But a regular gym with your weight stacks and your machines and all that, everybody's got their headphones on, everybody's got their eyes down and people don't feel as comfortable, right? And the energy in there is just different and you end up seeing people start and then drop off. Or you see people who are obsessive, right? And you see all these aspects. And I'm not trying to like bag on regular gyms. You see lots of people and they're just getting healthy and that's great. But I think that a lot of, you know, we've seen it in the entire industry, right? These group class settings are everywhere, right? You could name hundreds of them, you know, and you got you got many of them in, in, in Nashville where like multiple iterations, right? And so I think that the more we can foster that community and that kind of relationship building, the better it gets overall for the entire community of fitness, right? Yeah. So um, now you told me before you started this, you also have a podcast. What are the subjects you cover on that podcast? And what is it like, what would be your like, what would be the thing that you're like giving to everybody? Like what's the information coming out there? Yeah. So it's called the best you podcast and I've run it since October of 2018 and I've done two episodes every single week since then. And up until about two months, just two months ago, I interviewed people from kind of all areas of life, if you will, some athletes, some entrepreneurs, some health and fitness people, some spiritual people, like from all areas. Over the last two months, I've changed for to just kind of health and fitness mm-hmm. and trying to hit um, just more of a narrow topic, but then dive really a lot deeper into those topics itself. So I kind of say the mission of the 10 Week Transformation is almost the same as the, the podcast to make living a healthy lifestyle simple. And really the people that I think that I work with and the people that listen to me that jive with me are people who used to be kind of high school athletes and or college athletes. And then they got into their life and they got into their career and they got into having kids and they are still like driven people. Mm -hmm. And because they're driven people, health has kind of taken a little bit more of a backseat and it struggles to be a higher priority for them because they got to take care of their family. They got to make the, they got to pay the bills and all that kind of stuff. And so it's people that, know that health is important, but they struggle to prioritize it. So yes, in a number of the podcasts, we'll go deep into some nutrition topics. We'll go deep into some of these like really health-oriented topics, but then we're also talk a lot about the behavioral side of things as well, which I really love. Yeah, and and the behavioral part is so cool to me because like as we kind of started with this, once you create that system and, and like you become that person, right, you're able to maintain that once you're there, right? A lot of people think it's really hard to be a person with healthy habits and good routines and, and a good lifestyle, but it's like, once you set the framework and the foundation, you're there. And so, it, have you had any like really tough experiences with like convincing someone like, it's a lot easier than it looks, you just have to start somewhere? Yeah, I don't know if I ever necessarily communicate it like that. Okay. I I kind of communicate it saying that You've got to start off by making some of these small commitments and small promise mm-hmm. to, promises to yourself. Then over time, those will become more habitual and right. take less energy. And then over time, that just becomes part of who you are. Mm-hmm. But then the thing that I also try to communicate to them is, yes, it definitely becomes easier. So going to the gym and eating healthy for me 
is doesn't take necessarily a whole lot of discipline. It's just part of who I am. So right. It's just what I do. And making healthy choices is just what I would even prefer. Right. And so it doesn't take that much discipline. But even though it takes less discipline and a little bit less effort, it still takes some. Yes. And so you still have to reinforce to yourself who you are. And so I don't think anybody's ever safe from the standpoint of like, you know what? I'm locked in. I'm good. No matter what, I'm going to be able to keep this thing going for the rest of my life. It's like, no, every single day, you've got to show yourself one more time that you're willing to go to the gym, even if you're a little tired, that you're mm -hmm. willing to eat the healthy food and make the healthy decisions. And so I don't know if it, that directly answers the question, but I think the way that I go about that is by not placing this super high expectation on sure. people. And so I'm like, you, it's going to get easier, but we just got to start here. Like you, you can do more later. Let's start here. Yeah. Let's get going because the intimidation factor and the perceived level mm -hmm. of effort that it's going to take to get to that end point is really high for people in the beginning. So you can't necessarily say like, here's, here's where you're starting and then I'm trying to get you all the way right. over there. Yeah. And that's really cool. I like that, that kind of process of what you're laying out because with my athletes, right? We do CrossFit. There's professional CrossFitters out there. Everybody loves them. Everybody wants to be them. Right. And someone comes in and say, Hey, I want to be a high level competitive CrossFitter, which one good for you. Hey, it's a big deal. Right. You know, maybe you will, maybe you won't. We never know. It's hard to do these days. But the biggest thing I see is people try to start being that immediately. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you're going to break yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. Or you're going to burn out because it's really hard to do. And so you're saying, we're not starting where everyone is already at, right? We're not starting at these high-level entrepreneurs that you see online where they're like, I wake up at four and by six my day's done. And it's like, no, that's they've been doing that for 30 years or getting there for 30 years. And maybe you'll get there, maybe you won't. But it's start where they started. Because nobody sees that, right? All these famous gurus, right? They didn't just come out, you know, as a baby already ready to go. They had to learn that and create those intentions for themselves. So I really like that you're you're starting like that and kind of building that for them. So basically, you're trying to get them to snowball, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where we could have a whole podcast just on this topic. But I think there are times when going all in or jumping from A to Z can be applicable, okay. but I think it needs to be done diligently. Mm -hmm. And the reason, the reason I've thought a lot about this, because I've always been the person who preaches more like small, sustainable changes mm -hmm. over time. And I still believe that that is generally the best way to do it for most people most of the time. But if you just take the example of somebody who's an alcoholic, they have to go A to Z. They have to cut it off. If right. people are smoking cigarettes, they have to go A to Z. They have to cut it off. And there are people who make dramatic changes overnight, Yeah, but not to their results, to their process. Yes. And I think the reason why that is, is again, it's an identity thing because if some people, I think not for the most part, but some people, if they try to make a small change, let's say instead of eating sweets for... Every meal, it's like, I'm going to eat it every other meal. For a lot of people, that's going to be great because mm -hmm. they see it as a realistic change. For some people, it's they're still doing the behavior that the former version of themselves did. And so they still kind of like see those, the person that they were prior to week one and the person that they are in week two as like the same people because they're still doing the same behaviors just right. at a different frequency. Yeah. And so... There are some people who are like, I'm not even making the decision. I'm going to cut out sweets. And that person, again, I think it's more of a rare type, 
might actually be able to do that right. for most of the time because they're seeing this is a completely new identity now mm -hmm. and my new identity doesn't even see it as a decision. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not happening. Yeah. And so I think for some people, some of the time for some habits can do that. Mm -hmm. I think that's a tough line to walk and I've only done it with a few people yeah. on, in a few instances to being like, hey, let's make this big change now. But then the other thing is like you can do it for a short period of time, but then we have to we can go all in for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks. But then we have to figure out what sustainable looks like after that, right? And so it's just a tough. Well, and it's funny that you hit on that because I'm a big sweets person, right? And I know it's like it's it's this building thing where it's like I have a little bit of sweets because I'm doing a good job, and it's like three times a week. But I want more, right? And and some of these things are actually like addictions, right? Like the 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 center of the brain that was, you know, when you eat sweets, what lights up? Like it's basically like an addiction. They've done studies on that, right? So with things that are more along those addictive lines, it's almost better to do cold turkey, right? Like you said, with like an alcoholic, right? You, you don't go from 30 drinks a week to 20. Right. You go to zero because you have to cut it off because otherwise the brain wants it, the body wants it, the habits want it, right? And same thing with like if you smoke cigarettes, it's like pack a day, half a pack a day. No, that's not the change we want, right? And so some of those behavioral changes, you got to do something aggressive. But other ones, people who are like, especially with, I think, like normal lifestyle factors who just try to change their entire life cycle, they lose all sense of routine and it's just chaos. Even though it's the chaos that they're selecting for themselves, it's hard to like, oh, everything I do is different now. Who am I amongst this? So I, I, I see, you know, where, where you're at. And I think that all of this is case by case, right? So how much effort do you make to like, especially when someone's new with you, how much effort do you make to learn how the individual ticks so that you can support that lifestyle factor change. Yeah, so I usually, you know, every time somebody joins, they look at the videos and they start creating a scoreboard by themselves. But for people who are new, I do a one-on-one -on -one call with mm -hmm. them and have a kind of series of questions that I run through to get an idea of where they're currently at. And then when I'm working with them, I just try to be very in tune with getting yeah. to know the person and getting to know kind of what else they have going on in life. And everybody gets motivation from different from different things. And so... Yeah, I would. I mean, that's kind of my process. When people are new, I have a one-on-one -on -one call with them, and then I just know that motivation and psychology is a big part about it. And so I just spend time getting to know them and trying to figure out yeah. what does make them tick. Like I just sat, went and literally sat down with one of my clients who I've been working with for seven weeks for coffee, and she voiced that I'm an all-or-nothing person. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that most of the time that's not good in the health area of your life. Right. But we talked about like, hey, I think maybe because you, I know you're so results oriented, mm -hmm. that's not how we want to be long term. But what if this next 10 week transformation, we went, we did a cadence like four weeks, balls to the wall, two weeks sustainable, four weeks, balls to the wall, mm -hmm. and then two weeks back to sustainable. Mm -hmm. And, but knowing that when you're going all in, knowing that, I'm not doing this for the long haul. I'm doing mm -hmm. it for the short term. And I know this is not what my lifestyle is going to look like. I'm doing this for results. Yep. But then I'm going to find it. I'm going to back off and figure out what the lifestyle actually yeah, can look yeah. like. Yeah. And I think that's so important because like, you know, you also mentioned this kind of at the beginning of the podcast is like almost tailoring your coaching style to the person rather than trying to get the person to fit your coaching style. Right. And I have discussions with that with everybody because I have a, I have a specific co coaching style but some people it doesn't work with. And I'm like, cool, I got to switch this up. And it's not like, it's actually more uncomfortable for me 
but then it's making it more comfortable for them. And that's really important because I think that for a lot of people, you know, even if like your way of doing things doesn't fit them, you can figure out a way of doing things, you know, with the amount of experience you have, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, having an all or nothing person, cool, we're going to tune into that. But you also know the sliding scale of that is you're going to give her what you're calling all, but you know, like, it's it's in within reason, right? And so, you know, that goes back to like setting realistic goals and making sure your your pills, like making sure that you succeed, right? Like, because mm-hmm. if at the end of the day, even if you are an all or nothing person, and well, actually, especially if you're an all or nothing person, if little things go wrong, you feel like everything has failed, right? And so how do you take someone who's like that and make sure like all those dominoes stay up? Because if one falls, they all fall. You know, what are you doing to make sure she doesn't, you know, crash and burn because one little thing goes off? Yeah, I think it's it's mindset shifts for the most part. I think it's one of the things that I tell people is that healthy people are not successful all the time or do healthy things all the time. They self-correct quickly. Mm-hmm. And so trying to keep time in perspective because I just had somebody text me before I came in here and she's like, I didn't work out at all last week and I feel like bloated and I feel overweight. And I'm like, one week is not a big deal. Yeah, Don't kill yourself because... You missed a week. If you get right back on it the next handful of weeks, you're going to be completely fine. Yep. And so I think perspective from a time from a time basis is important. And then the way that you treat yourself when you do fall short. And I, I like to tell people that when you hold yourself accountable, don't approach yourself with criticism. Approach yourself with curiosity. Yeah. So ask yourself what happened. Instead of, because then you become analytical and then you can actually come up with what did happen and then you can behave differently in the future. And so... When people say, when people are all or nothing people and they feel like I drop one thing, I drop everything, it's just trying to keep them in perspective because they kind of get in this own, their own little small world mm-hmm. and in their head and these dialogues and these conversations that are getting in their own head. And so I think it's just like making the world bigger for them, yeah. trying to provide them with more perspective in a number of different ways. Yeah. And, and it's funny because like I am, I work so hard with that because I'm not, I'm a very like progress is very small. And the way I view things is if I was a tiny bit better, if I was half a percent better, great, I'm better. But I have a lot of athletes that I work with where it's like right or wrong. And I'm like, you did the lift. If you were in a competition, thumbs up, rep counted. But they're like, I did it wrong. I'm like, you could have done it better. And I'm trying to help them reframe their perspective, but at the same time, I'm like, I can't, I can't take away their identity of like, it felt wrong, so it was wrong. And there's a balance and like, you gotta have common ground there because like, otherwise that relationship won't mesh as a coach mm-hmm. and an athlete. And so it, it's cool to hear the way that you're talking about this because the most important thing is finding success for whoever in their own way. Because otherwise they're never gonna come back to you and they're gonna be like, this guy's crazy. But, you find a way to make your system work for them. Right. And so that's really cool. Um, so we're kind of getting towards the end here. Um, how would people get in touch with you or get on your program or listen to your podcast? Can you tell me all the ways in which, you know, they can kind of follow what you're doing? Yeah, I'll give them three ways. Easiest way is Instagram at carrier underscore best you. Then my website is nickcarrier.com. And then the podcast is the best you podcast. Gotcha. And you got links on there for everything, like how to sign up for the 10 week transformation and do all that stuff. You got it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I, I, you know, I think goal setting is so important. So if anyone takes anything away from this, set some goals, talk to a coach who has experience because they can help guide you into like maybe letting you know, hey, you have this vision of what you want to be. Now, how do we get there? Mm. So, and maybe hit Nick up if you want that help. So thank you for being on here, man. Yeah, man, it's been a blast. Appreciate you. Yep.